0: USCBC recently submitted comments to the Bureau of Industry and Security on new export controls that were aimed at advanced chips and chip-making equipment. To dig into what the new export controls are, why they matter, and what they mean for U.S. companies, we're chatting this week with Zach Tamatz, a business advisory services manager in our D.C. office who covers export controls and industrial policy. From the U.S.-China Business Council in Washington, D.C., I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this is the China Business Minute. So first off, Zach, thanks for taking some time to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. Okay. So the Bureau of Industry and Security recently released some new export controls that focus on chips and chip making equipment uh, with regards to China. So what is so important about those export controls? What do people kind of need to know as, as a basis?
1: Sure. So the most important thing about the October 7th export controls is that they, they, uh, they're an illustration of a new sort of national security paradigm against China. Um, And it's one that was first illustrated in September uh, when Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, said cloud computing technologies or semiconductors, biotech, cleantech are force multipliers. And leadership in these technologies is a national security imperative, and so maintaining a, as as wide a lead as possible over China became a, sort of a national security focus for the U.S. And it was these export controls that that put that into practice. It, it gave U.S. industry um, regulations to consume that would um, you know further the U.S.'s national security goals. W- what's so important about them? is that they're really much broader than anything we've ever seen before. And the the basic idea is that no American company can contribute or provide any IP, any support, any product for anything that would take China past certain technological thresholds. So for example, we cannot further the Chinese industry below 14 nanometers when it comes to integrated circuits. Uh, and there, there are other controls for um, memory. Um, but prior to this we had used you know specific entities or specific end uses, now it's all technology. Um, and and another thing that makes them so so sort of comprehensive and broad is that there's a, f- a foreign direct product rule. Um, so if if any foreign product uses a U.S. process or a technology, it's also covered. So it's 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 this law's um, it's expansive beyond U.S. borders. And then there are also restrictions on the activities of U.S. persons in China. Um, they they U.S. persons cannot uh, do certain activities that would further Chinese
0: uh, semiconductor industry. So so then. If, if that explains what the export controls are, uh, the next question is obviously why. So, so, what is the U.S. government targeting with these controls? Why? Sure. So, beyond
1: the fact that the U.S. considers these technologies to be, um, you know, force multipliers and, and to be essential for national security and leadership in these technologies is essential for national security. Um, why be so broad? Um, it, it's and the U.S. maintains that. Um, in, in China, there are blurred lines between military and civilian procurement pipelines. Um, and so there's, it's not, uh, you know, readily identifiable uh, if a product is going to, uh, you know, a civilian enterprise for a, for a civilian in use or if it's going to the People's Liberation Army and there's a military in use. It's just too hard to tell. And for a long time, China has um, pursued different military civil fusion initiatives. Um, and and what they want is a is a sort of civilian or a privately run um, organic uh, sort of whole process defense procurement system like we have here. They are, they are taking this from from the American uh, defense uh, sort of industrial complex, and and. Th- they are trying to privatize it. Uh, of course, this means that uh, for sales into China, right? There's a lot more the potential military end users out there, and so you need broad controls from the U.S. perspective. You need broad controls to uh, to make sure that you know U.S. products, processes, technology, IP, all that good stuff, isn't isn't uh, entering into the PLA.
0: Okay, so so with that as the sort of Baseline, and you kind of touched on this, but but to ask more formally, what what are some of the kind of main issues that businesses are seeing around some of the the new export controls here? You know, as part of how broad they are.
1: Sure. So some of the main issues, and and we illustrated this in our letter, and it's it's also with BIS now. The main issues are that uh, is that the controls were done unilaterally, so America acted alone, um, which has meant that Japanese Dutch. Uh, companies without the same pressures can can continue to sell their, their chip making equipment into China, for example, and by the way, they can do it at a higher premium. Um, so the, the main issue is that things were done unilaterally. The second issue is that there were a number of de- definitional inconsistencies or unclear parts of the regulation. The other issue is that Uh, there's really no mechanism in place so that as more Chinese industry passes over that threshold, the 14 nanometer threshold or the, you know, those other things for RAM, as they pass over the threshold, there's nothing really in place to stop the controls from naturally expanding, um, despite the fact that those technologies, you know, in a few years from now might not be considered cutting edge. Uh, Another problem is that this is bifurcating supply chains, and it's 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 resulting in a, in a phenomenon where American products, American IP, American expertise, they're being designed out of the industry, right? The, the easiest way to avoid the, the, the export controls from, from China's point of view is just not to use American technology. But of course, uh, this hurts America's own industrial competitiveness.
0: But part of this, again, you kind of laid out. So if, if the easiest thing for China to do is just to, to cut the U.S. stuff out of the system, Including that, maybe some more detail. And then are there other ways in which China plans to, or you think, you know, China may respond to some of these controls? Sure. So the biggest response,
1: and, and this is very interesting, um, China has tools uh, in the books that would that would allow them to take punitive measures against, uh, against U.S. companies or against Chinese companies that are compliant, um, such as the uh, blocking statute, the anti-foreign sanctions law. Um, the, these would open up uh, sort of legal avenues for, for Chinese businesses to seek restitution. Um, the, although they're, they're on the books, they're not used. Um, these, are, they're, these are understood to be sort of selective laws, and, and they're not being used. So, um, and the reason for that is I, I don't think uh, China wants to engender a broad exodus of business activity um, if, if they were seen as sort of too heavy-handed. So what they are doing is um, subsidization. For for Chinese firms in like sectors, um, so if you were a, if you're a chip making firm in China, especially if you're an equipment manufacturer or if you do a lot of R and D, you've kind of got a blank check. Now there have been issues with corruption. Uh, last year we saw a number of high profile arrests uh, in the integrated circuit industry fund, the big fund, uh, as it's as it's commonly known. Um, so so they definitely have to balance. I think the subsidization with some of the systemic issues. Um, and then we're also seeing uh, a shift towards R&D funding, which sort of some industry experts have pointed out to me that you can't really sub- subsidize your way out of R&D. It's, it's, it's not just about the money. It's about globally integrated supply chains. It's about talent. And so there, there is a, certainly a, a struggle, I think. Uh, there's a long road ahead for China.
0: Mm-hmm. So if that's the sort of you know, situation where we sit now, what does the future look like?
1: Uh, let, let's go back to the Jake Sullivan speech. Right beyond semiconductors, he also said that uh, other computing-related technologies, biotech, clean tech, these are also force multipliers. And so I think over time we're going to see similar controls, maybe not as expansive. Um, and this is main. I, I think this is because the definitions aren't as clear in these sectors. I, what is AI? What is biotech? Where are the the military end uses are not as apparent uh, as with chips. And so, uh, but, but over time, we will see additional export export controls. Probably, it will probably begin with uh, additions to the entity list. Those are entities you need a license to to sell to. Um, but over time, we may also see broad uh, October 7th style export controls on these other technologies. And then this is, is happening right now. It's happening at the highest level. We know that uh, the U.S. is... Uh, there, there are talks ongoing with the Dutch and with the Japanese. Right, it's to to, to shore up those loopholes and to plug the gaps in the export controls, um, in the export controls rule. Um, on the surface, uh, things have seemed sanguine, but we don't actually, or or really, we don't know. Um, to you know to the extent that the Dutch and the Japanese uh, will align their controls with us. I think it's more likely that they will do some entity listings um, through their own legislative processes. I don't think that their their controls will um, will be sort of at full parity with the, w- with the U.S. controls. I don't think they're going to go that far. But this is still happening, and,
0: and we'll have to see. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to kind of explain some of this to us. No problem. Again, Zach Tomats is a business advisory services manager in our DC office. If you want to read USCBC's comments that we submitted to BIS on these export controls, you can find them on our website and at a link below. The China Business Minute is a production of the U.S. China Business Council, and you can learn more about the work that we do on our website, uschina.org. If you like the show, please do leave it a review as it helps others to find it. And as always, thank you very much for listening, and we will be back next week.